MFs, welcome back. Episode 59, part two. No intro today, just picking up right where we left off the other day, following stories about 21 pilots, and away we go. So we're going to get back to your Boston Calling experience in just a couple of minutes. We're glad that you brought up Buster Phillips and Ron Opaleski. I believe with Buster it was early 2000s. Yeah, it was uh, after be- I started. Because I wasn't around in the late 90s. I, I started in the early 2000s. And I I remember when he was Maybe. assistant to, was it Scott Clayton at yeah. the time? Yeah, he was on yeah, Clayton. Yeah, he was Clayton. Um, and I, I, great guy. Um, also... Happy that you shouted out Guster because Adam Gardner is also a friend of the program here, has been with us on the program. You know, environmental awareness, sustainability, environmental justice are all very topical right now. And we respect very much Guster leading the charge in the formation of Reverb, you know, spreading that word on college campuses. They were, if not still are, question mark, uh, a perennial favorite on college campuses for a number of years. Um, 21 Pilots is a great example, although I was really hoping you were going to tell us a third eye blind story. <laughs> I mean, we got third eye blind dot, stories, dot, dot. but I mean, <laughs> <laughs> we don't have Bobby Schneider, time. of course, not a friend time. of the program, third eye blind, not necessarily an act that started on the college scene, but certainly an act that extended its life substantially by way of the college scene. Come on. Here are well, I mean, Adam, I'll, I'll you know give you we want to hear a third story. eye blind story. I'll, I'll, I'll give you one that, that ties in exactly what we're talking about. This was, again, it's dated. You'll probably remember this, Matt, maybe like 12, 15 years ago. All of a sudden, after not meaning anything in the college space, over like a six-month period, it seemed like every school in the country was reinterested in Third Eye, uh, Third Eye Blind. It was like there was one April, I think they did 20 dates in one April. And it was because all the kids who first learned about music and they heard Third Eye Blind from their brothers or sisters or whatever were now the concert chairs. And like, oh my God, I remember this band. They were awesome. And I remember even talking to the Third Eye Blind team, like, we have no idea why this is happening, you know? But it was great. I mean, because they had already been through the marketplace and the upcycle, and you know, they were in a different spot now. But there was that window of time, you know, a couple months, maybe a semester and a half, when they were it. Like they were the band again, because those students who knew them were now the decision makers. And it, it was it was kind of surreal, but it 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 absolutely one hundred percent happened. Well, that was a very disappointing third eye blind story. I do have to say. <laughs> That's all I'm going on the record with. <gasps> Dallas, NDAs, jump in here with NDAs that. In his system. I mean, I think what I was going to say is that in my experience, um, I find the sort of what we're talking about, the disconnect is kind of akin to the agents who sell shows and do routing where they haven't looked at a map and the crew physically can't get to the second part of the story, i.e. the second show, because it's, physically unimpo- like impossible and because no one really looked at the map and you're like the agents are supposed to be smart people they're supposed to care about the big picture and understand that people's lives are at stake if we can't get let alone the show can't happen um and i kind of feel like that's the same somehow there's some of the same disconnect as in the, in the college part and when you know if you are with a touring show and you go in um you know, and I understand the approach of what you're saying about, you know, students can't do certain roles perhaps because of liability and all sorts of things like that. But it's not often that we on the touring side walk away from a college experience and go, man, that was awesome. Let's do that again. <laughs> you know, it's more the other way, no, sadly. Course. No, of course. And I, you know, you're dealing mostly with volunteers. Oh, yeah, don't like, remind oh, me. Oh, I got, I just for, forgot I got a paper I got to do. Right. You know, well, all the all the standard stuff. And it's it is tough. But that's it's, what it's I mean. But, but respectfully, that's what I mean is like how I can't even ever imagine setting someone up to run, do a shift to fulfill a four or eight hour shift and then 
and somewhere in between being, oh yeah, it's okay. You know, if you got that college paper to do, or you want to like take a video of what's going on back here, no problem. <laughs> you know, it's, that's a problem. It's, obviously, it's, it's very true, and it, it comes down to um, how the program is run at the school. Absolutely, you know, and the pride that everybody involved takes on it, and the sense of responsibility. And um, I'd like to say that ninety-five percent of the shows we do, you know, go perfectly, and they don't. You know, um, it is. You talking to individual students too, like how how invested are they in it? You know, do they feel that there is quote unquote repercussions if they don't do it? A lot of schools make, and this is a probably last five year trend, make students sign agreements that if you're going Good. to do this, they you're should. going to do this. And there may be not they're not they can't put it right and there's going to be ramifications, but there may be. We encourage people to you talking about like shifts. Don't do eight hour yeah, shifts. shifts. My do, favorite. Right. Do right. four hour shifts. But for students, it's a big deal. Right. So if you're going to do. Yeah, but they have a job. I mean, I, I respectfully, sorry not to interrupt you, no, but fine. at the same time, I mean, I find, and I think this is kind of something we were touching on before is this generation or the last few generations is. It's soft. I'm, word. And I'm appalled and shocked at how few college students have ever had any kind of job, let alone suddenly mm -hmm. a volunteering job. I mean, just. You know, I don't remember a time that I wasn't working, um, except currently, obviously. But, um, you know, I mean, my first paycheck I got when I was 11. Like, not everybody has to be that way. But just understanding that there's a commitment involved when you show up to whether it's a shift or whatever you want to call it and why the professors or whoever's involved isn't driving that home just as a basic job requirement for anything you do in life. You know, if you had to do a paper, you should have done that day before if you yeah. knew you were going to do a shift. I mean, that's not an excuse to me. And I find it very challenging in those moments that and, and this part of it is, you know, sometimes it's the production manager who didn't vet it properly. Sometimes it's the promoter rep who forgot to tell you that or they didn't really think, oh, it was a backstage job. So that doesn't really matter because who cares if that person's, you know, incompetent because that's never the artist is never going to see that person. Well, that's not true. <laughs> um, you well, know, and I, I could go on I for agree. hours, but it is it is it's a big challenge in the, in the student life space with the volunteer space, even some schools that pay their students, you know, where there's a direct level of accountability. It's hard. I think one of the biggest challenges with this, and I'm certainly not rationalizing and I'm just explaining it from our, our perspective, is when, you know, I'd say, Dave, tell me if I think I'm wrong, 95, 98% of the, the schools that produce events, it's volunteers. Maybe it's 99% of the schools that do it. And the student life staff, they do everything they can to educate them and teach them and prepare them and prep. And, you know, that's a big part of what we do as well. This is, this is what your responsibility is. This is your job. You know, if you can't do it, like if saying about shifts, like just, and I'll get off the topic because I know it makes you angry. If there's a, an 8 a.m. to noon shift, the next shift starts at 11. You know, so there's always hopefully the minimum number of people. You need 10 students to do it, sign up 25. Maybe 12 will show up, you know. Um, but That's the best. The, My favorite is the loadout. I just got to say. Free. Oh, yeah. Lo loadout. The loadout, loadout is the best. Yeah. Loadout. Come on. Come on. Loadout. Now, wait a second. Wait a second. Let's not agree with everything Dallas said. Come on, Dave, Adam. <laughs> I, fight I, I, back. Fight, fight me. Tell us you guys are the middle agents, though. Tell it's not your fault. Bullshit. You're the going to finish is everything can't be free. I mean, they're charging for tickets for the show. The kids are paying tuition. Pay them something. I they mean, they can't always do that. I wish it was that simple. Yeah, um, it's I'm, I'm very not complicated. You have to have, I'm not saying you have to have exorbitant, you know, you know, payroll, but you can give them something. You can't you can't because then so, they are legally an employee of the institution, and then they have to talk about don't want that to happen. Then, then <laughs> don't want that to happen. And unemployment Ooh. and all these other things. And it, I mean, I, I wish it were that so, simple. So, but from so a university even for one-offs, so, it, so it, it can't be. They can't be treated as like a, a independent contractor, a ten ninety nine for the day. Good luck getting students to do that. No, well, I'm no. just simply saying. I mean, you just give them a ten nine. I mean, you just paying them for the day, and they figure it out. But I mean, I mean, I, I, there's, there's. I mean, everything can't be free. I understand certain situations, but it's like everything has to be free. Hell, the 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 student athlete is paid is for free, and then the sports and then the the, the alumni are they making all these crazy absorbent dollars on the students and they can't even get a bowl of a uh, top ramen or a bowl of crunch berries for that matter. So well, let's, let's not talk about athletics because that in university, I'm just saying everything is when it comes to college, they make so much money, but they never have any money to do things that they want. Like they may want uh, a superstar, you know, I mean, a heavyweight artist to come perform, but we only have 
$5,000. But don't call me talking about you got $5,000 to come do a show and I'm a, you know, a $300,000 a night artist. I'm oh, just I mean, saying they on. will throw that out there. I mean, come on. That's, that's, that's part of the fun of our job, though, is when we get the list from the schools and, and you know, there are the, the $250,000, $300,000 acts on, on a list for a $15,000 budget show yeah, i mean it's that's, that's part... crazy but they expect people to come do it but it's like right well things can't be that it can't be going that bad they're not well, they're not doing that part bad. of it part of it is is misconception of a lot of people of, of what truly an artist you know costs um but going back to like paying the students like i have several schools that have an organization whether it's a fraternity or the ROTC on campus, and they have an agreement with that organization where they're making a donation slash payment to them, but in writing, here's what you have to provide. If you're off by one, you don't get the money. And when you're talking about an organization like that, mm -hmm. you know, $250, $500 means a lot to them. And you know they're getting the freshmen and sophomores in that organization to show up and and it yeah. works it's been very successful like I, I i have a lot of success with that but um yeah the volunteers and the shifts you know i, I, I totally agree with adam in terms of we overestimate the needs knowing mm -hmm. that we're gonna be short on what we tell the schools um and and some schools overestimate on their own just because of, of their experience um and and you know overlapping the shifts or you know making the shifts like an odd amount of time right so say load ins at eight okay and you have a truck maybe two to dump right know that you probably won't don't want to bring in the next shift at noon because you'll still be balls deep in load in Bring them in the next shift at one when it's hey, crew's probably going to lunch or starting to think about staggering for their lunch. Um, that's a better time to do a crew change, you know, a shift change. And there's one other thing I want to add this, and they want to you made a you made a comment about money, which I have some interesting numbers to tell you. Um, <laughs> so regarding you know shifts and all that stuff and you know taking responsibility. You know, there are a percentage that can do exactly what, what Dave does, and we, we have a few of them. A lot, um, but student life is also about, and again, I'm not rationalizing, I'm just telling you that the mission statement mm -hmm. of these people is giving students responsibility and letting them make decisions and letting them fall on the sword, right? If they fall on the sword. And why is the band and everyone going crazy? Well, because your committee's not here, and now they're not doing the meet and greet, and you're not getting your picture, you know? Well, Bob couldn't come because he had a paper he had to write. You should have found that out, you know, and replace him with somebody else. You know, and it, it's certainly not foolproof, but some of the best learning experiences for students come from failure. You know, for anybody, it comes from failure, you know, right. and I think some of the best programs, you know, they give the students a lot of lead time and said, we'll support you and we'll take care of the administrative stuff and we'll step in where we need to step in. But if you want to do this, you have to step up and do it. You know, um, but if I could, and Matt, you tell me to start, spin back to the financial thing. You're talking about how schools have all this money and stuff. So this is, this is a, a pet, uh, like project of mine. How much money do you guys think the average college or university in the country has per hour to entertain students and keep them busy with non-academic stuff? And this has nothing to do with athletics, right? Just how much per hour to keep, you know, Matt's a student at BU, how much money does this BU have or University of Alaska or whatever it is to keep him busy per hour uh, every day? How much would you I'm guess? Gonna, I'm going to bow out of this discussion because I actually saw your statistics and I'm not going to jump in on that. Dallas, Kyle, why don't you guys lend yes. your thought? Yes. I really have no way of knowing, but $100. Kyle, what do you think? <laughs> Per hour. Per hour. Per hour. Per, per hour. student. I, I would uh, say, like $2. I'm going to give you all one hint. Maybe, 
here's the thing, because I don't think you go to school to be entertained. So they no, probably right, neither. put zero dollars towards that. Or okay, for a second, a dollar, two dollars, three dollars, okay. somewhere around. It's very low. good guess. It's twenty-two cents. And well, again, I would have thought it'd be zero because yeah. I mean, we, we're not here to entertain you. Right, you're here well, to get an education. So but that's not that, entirely true because a student, a school does have a responsibility to try and retain their students. They have a responsibility to try and keep their students safe. They no, have a that, responsibility that, 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 to promote you choose to them. go to college. Hold you're on, well, forced. wait a second. But it, but a school is a business that has a responsibility to market itself to keep students coming. So they do need to do something in order to keep themselves relevant. They and and again, safety is a major issue where where drinking is a problem, drugs are a problem on campuses, partying is a problem on weekends. You know, they have a responsibility to get to program alternatives for students. So I, I do believe that the activities department has a huge obligation to do something for its students, not to mention the fact that almost every school that I'm aware of charges a student programming fee per semester to their students, which is, for the most part, insignificant, um, not a huge line item, but nevertheless, money there's their responsibility to then turn around and spend on those students. So, Adam, tell us why that twenty-two cents is or is not a significant sum, and and what does it cover exactly? I want to be clear about the definition. Anything that is, the National Bureau of Statistics says that the average college student spends four hours a day in non-academic activity. Right, this isn't a number I made up. You can just go look sure. at it. Okay. So what is a non-academic activity? Maybe it's athletics. Maybe it's is doing intramurals. Maybe it's on the film committee. Maybe it's writing for the student newspaper. Whatever it is. Non-academic stuff. So it's 22 cents per student per hour. Um, that they're say, in school per semester. Yeah, 22 cents per hour. So they basically have 88 cents per day okay. to keep your, to give your students something other than academics to do. You know, I only know of a couple schools that don't have student life departments, you know, because they are 100% solely focused on academics. Um, academics is a recruitment tool. Uh, athletics is a recruitment tool. Um, student life is a retention tool. Um there are, I did some research and I was, you know, data on amount of time that schools have to entertain students, um, how, what student life people think the money is used for. You know, I didn't say, take the newspaper out, you know, take this out. And it's just math. It's the number of, you take the budget, you divide it by the number of students, you divide it by the number of hours a day, and you divide it by the number of days in the semester that they have to program. Um, of the 41 schools that I did data on, one school, their budget was one cent per student per hour that they had to keep students entertained. The highest amount I found of the schools was like 89 cents. So think about uh, these schools that do hundreds and hundreds of events per year when th theoretically this is their budget. You know, I always get kind of like, eh, that's not really true when people are doing assessment. Assessment's a huge thing in student life. Was it worth it? Was it worth it? Well, we we spent a hundred thousand dollars on this event, you know, and we had two thousand kids come, you know. So it's, you know, however many, how much, however much money it is per student. That's not really accurate, because you don't have that much money to start with to spend on students. So you know, going back to Kyle's comment, you know, you choose to go to college. Of course you do. You absolutely choose to go, and you're going to find yourself and find a career, or maybe it's to participate in athletics. But if you're only going for academics, you have a really small chunk of schools to go to who don't offer anything else. And I don't know one person who, when they were applying to college or looking at college, didn't ask what's there to do, you know, whether but they're in that, a city or to, play sports or whatever it is. But that goes to like life. If, for instance, I work, we do what we do. There's no budget for me to go to the movies unless I spend my own money. Granted, you you're a college student, so they have certain things, okay. But it's not them to entertain you. If you want to go boogie board, if you want to go play some pool or some basketball or just do whatever, that's on you. It's not the college responsibility. I mean, well, if they have an artist come, if they have an artist come there, we have such and such coming there. Okay, you buy your ticket over unless it's unless the school is completely paying for it. 
But other than that, like it's a, like a like a office party, the office party for the company you work for, they provide this thing for your end of the year party. Other than that, it's on you. Well, so I mean, I, I don't I don't see why the college has to entertain you. Well, it's not a question of has to entertain you. I don't, I don't think entertain is is the right word. It's to give them options and things to like Mike Mike Matt said to keep them safe. To give them, no, I mean, okay, focus. safety. I get you, right? But if you're if you're running a uh, institution of higher education, right, you want people to pay you to come, right? You want people to come here. What's going to have make someone come to your school? Sure, they're going to look at the the academics. Absolutely, they're going to look at that. Some people, sports is what they're going to look at. You know, some people will look at what else is there to do because yeah, I'm going to be an electrical engineering major, but I'm not going to spend every day doing electrical engineering. Right. Yes, it's on me. But what does the school offer me? I'm paying the school, you know, for for these opportunities. What are they giving me? Your analogy of, of a company, I think, isn't doesn't quite mesh because the company is paying you. They are paying true. you to do they something for you. them. They are. That well, is true. But go, in back, the same, go ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Carl. Finish. I lost my train of thought. No, sorry. <laughs> I was just trying to say, like. Okay, we know that's 88 cents, but what so what difference does it make? I mean, one school's got that much more money than the other. I feel t- you know, at the end of it, what are we playing into? If there's 88 cents per head per kid, what or not? Well, I, I'm just, um, I'm is not- that your only I guess the question is is that your only um like place to make money or to to create money? Cuz you're obviously promoting shows, not you guys, but the universities, I presume promote the shows and find they other ways of income and they, advertise or any of that stuff? Student life is often looked at in a very, what's the word I should use here, Dave and Matt? Less than positive light by schools. Um, academics, always top. Athletics, often very top. Students life jo- student life dormants are not designed to make money. I'd say 99% of the time, if they generate any revenue from events, it just goes back into like the universal fund. And Lord knows where that goes. You know, sometimes it rolls over and sometimes they get it. Uh, my point of bringing all this up is as we're talking about pipeline into entertainment and the role that schools play and the challenges um, with schools producing things on certain levels is, you know, they you know, effectively have nothing. They have next to no resources and, you know, an overworked professional staff and students, some students are fantastic and and some, you know, need a little little bit more handholding. So creating this, this pipeline and, you know, connecting, you know, A with B with C, you know, I think it's important to look at what they have to work with to encourage them to do that, you know, and the motivation they have internally to do that when they are, student life is fighting tooth and nail every day for everything. Whenever there's a budget freeze, student life is always the one that gets hit first, 100% of the time. You know, during all this, um, you know, COVID stuff, obviously everybody's, everybody in entertainment is hurt. There are student life departments that have shut their doors. Like, we're done. You know, we can't do anything. So again, I'm not, I'm not saying it's any worse for them for, any, for anybody else, but putting in, in perspective, you know, getting them interested and having them do the right things and take the right, uh, you know, steps to do this, they are struggling uh, every day to produce a huge number of events for an extremely diverse population with, with different needs, with all these rules hanging over them, <clears throat> that the amount of money they have matters and the interest of the students matters because, you know. Sounds like life. It, it, it does. It sounds it like is. It's, it's a, it's a so microcosm crazy. of life, you know. But if you're a student activities person, you're like, all right, I have $150,000 for the year, and I have 75 different student groups, and I have a campus newspaper and a campus radio station. I have to pay my staff. You know, before you get out the door, 75% of your budget is gone. You know, though, how do I get students invested in these activities and invested in the opportunities that these activities might present to them when? I am hamstrung, you know, and, but they find a way, you know, they find a way to do it. And that's, I think that's just my point for bringing up the money. It just ties into it. It is, none of these pieces are, are separate in this, in the student life world. How about okay. this question? Would you say, sorry, Matt, I just want to ask, ahead, please. would you say that, um, 
you find that you've fulfilled a bigger role now, now that there's no such thing as a real independent promoter? You know, there's so few of those around the country anymore, if any, um, you know, with Live Nation's growth and the way shows are bought and sold, don't you think that makes a huge difference on the universities as well? Because there isn't a little guy in that town or in any of these towns doing what used to happen? Uh, I think it's some schools are growingly more and more isolated, like they do their own thing and they don't want public involvement for liability reasons and safety reasons. It's not a comment whether it's a good idea or a bad idea. But I think some of the opportunities for schools are increasing because that independent promoter isn't there. Something the independent promoter might do that they don't do anymore now a school can jump on. There are a lot of schools who are like, huh, there are a lot of opportunities here that maybe we can jump on if we don't necessarily always go for the huge home run every time. Right, and we kind of diversify, and that benefits them. You know, cycling back to the agent thing. You know, there are a handful of schools like Penn State that Dave works with. You know, they want to put their bands through there. They want, you know, the school has a great reputation. They do a fantastic job um, with producing events. Uh, so it, yes, the role of the, of the school evolves. You know, as as the entire entertainment industry space evolves, for sure. All right, I I, I want to move on. But I do want to ask real quickly, and I really, yes or no answer, and don't say mo- both, because that's a cop-out. <laughs> the when, Well, it's not a yes or no, but it's an either or, not a both. Where we're talking about the dollars per hour, dollars per student, are you referring to the amount of money spent to entertain students or the amount of money spent to provide additional supplemental educational extracurricular opportunities for students to engage and learn? Non-academic activities, excluding athletics. So the latter. Correct. Correct. And when I Because did... I think that's an important distinction. Okay. Because Kyle, I, I I you asked a good question. I mean who Fuck, it's not on on the school to, to entertain the kids. I'll agree with you there. I do say, again, for marketing reasons, et cetera, they want to promote. But the focus is about providing extracurricular learning opportunities, which, again, for us goes back to creating pipelines, learning experiences, ways to engage kids and get them into the concert industry and doing more I understand the shortcomings of of what you're talking about and the the way these departments are hamstrung, the absence of funding, the lack of 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 people, physical human bodies working these jobs. But where I would like to see improvement, and Kyle, jump in because it looks like you want to in a minute. But where I would like to see improvement is engaging more people and helping them to appreciate the value of learning about uh, all of the things you can do through learning, uh, you know, in a program department, the opportunity to learn about marketing and publicity and entrepreneurship and technology and just live event production and logistical planning in general. Kyle. Well, Again, that goes back to you are learning something. So if you're learning, you get to be a part of these said programs or said events. If I, and if you're not part of that programming or learning situation, then you have to dig into your parents' pockets to go to that function. If I want to go to a movie right now, well, for, for instance, I've never paid to go to a concert. Why? Because I work them. Right, but we're not talking about paying to go to a movie. We're talking about having the opportunity to learn how to make a movie. No, but that's that's great. The, but again, you're learning something. You're going to be, you have, you you say, you know, I want to be uh, a cinematographer. So you want to do everything to, you want to, you, you're going to take all the necessary steps to put yourself in the position to learn that discipline. If it, and, and if giving up your time for free, which is not necessarily for free, you are in, you are learning a discipline. So you're being your your payment is the knowledge to become that later on. So of course, then you're you're not getting paid for that. But if it's just some random people saying, you know, 
I want to, you know, um, never mind. You guys just kind of put me in a, in a, in a position and I just caught it. So, you know what? I tip my hat. <laughs> you won that round. No, 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 no. I like, Wall. no, no, no. no I, I appreciate I get, where you're coming from. I, I, I see now, you know, I'm always about the money because I bust my ass. So I just realized what I just said, just, con- just, you know, confirmed uh, uh, Adam's theory of, well, this is what it is. So yeah, I put my foot in my mouth. I raised my hand. <laughs> okay. Well, I said I was going to move on, but actually I'm not. I'm going to say one more thing that I think does piggyback on what Kyle was going to say. Why is it there is this disconnect between the music business programs that exist and programming departments, if there are motivated students who want to learn about the music business. And same thing with college radio. I like that you mentioned college radio earlier, Adam. Again, dating myself, I'm an old motherfucker. When I was young, no, I grew up not. in a thank you. I'm not. When I when I when <laughs> I grew up in a small town, there was no commercial radio station uh that was in within our bandwidth uh because i lived in a small valley the college radio station at williams college was the only radio station that i could hear clearly at all times from anywhere in my town and at the time i mean they played the ramones and they played u2 they played rem and they played cool bands before they broke through before that big album um and I always thought college radio was the coolest thing in the world. And then as I got older, somehow it became either less cool or less relevant. And then as I got into working in, in, in with colleges, I found that the campus radio station and the student programming department don't even talk to one another. Like, why is that? Well, I, I mean, the music business, like if a, if a school has a music business program and the activities department, I think from my perspective personally is right. The mu- music business program is specifically trying to get these kids to go work for a CAA or William Morris. So there's a perception though, that, if, and again, from my perspective, that the activities department only deals with the, uh, you know, balloon artists and the caricature artists and the, you know, the, the big gigantic red chair that come to campus. Um, you know, the, 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 I mean, right. You know, the hypnotists or things like that, those aren't gonna, those aren't gonna like be the same experience that these music business undergrads, you know, going for that degree are going to gain anything from by doing those smaller type things. And I think that's part of the problem, Um, you know, especially in a school that might not do, you know, a big, you know, big show, you know, that, that means anything. So I think that's part of the disconnect, right? Uh, At least that's what I feel. It's not cool enough. Yeah. I mean, it's not, it is perceived differently. And a lot of what student life does other than those novelty sort of things they bring in, you know, well, wellness speakers and organization stuff and, you know, lifestyle, you know, things to help. Do they students. treat them as badly? I mean, as well? <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's a level playing field. It's a level playing field. Um, so the music industry folks look at it as it's just not specialized enough. And that's, again, I agree with Dave. And there is, there is some overlap, but it's not perceived as, in my opinion, career advancing. It won't open the doors. It won't make that resume look as good. But cycling back, but that's how you get your boots to the ground experience. You got to get your the dirt under your fingernails. You know, I well, think everybody I, wants that. And I agree with that last part. So that's where I'm going to come back to. I believe, and I'm not saying it's the job of the student life department. I'm not saying it's the job of the middle agent, but I believe that there needs to be more established connections that increase the communication, then the cross collaboration and the opportunity for advancement into the concert industry by way of aligning the interests of the programming departments, the music business departments at schools with substantial enough programs and, you know, overlapping interests and the campus radio stations in general, such that their interests are more aligned. It. I don't understand why their interests aren't more aligned is what I'm trying to say. And, and I feel like 
there's got to be a way. There's just got to be a way to get them together, to get them communicating and to create, because we talk about mentorship on this program. We talk about creating opportunities, you know, to, to give people these eye-opening experiences. And frankly, no one is more directly involved in thinking about the music industry, talking about the music industry on a day-to-day basis than people who work in campus radio. So why aren't we also, why aren't they more active in programming and vice versa? How do we improve that communication between them? You want to take this one, Dave? I mean, I think that, you know, I, I, some of the campus radio stations are so far away from what the average students are listening to because they have the unique group that, you know, is listening to stuff that is really new and like really off the grid. But in six months, it'll be the cool stuff. But then the radio station won't play it anymore. Yeah. And then the radio station won't play it anymore. Right. Um, And, you know, I have one school that has a campus radio station that does a show and their list of acts is so polar opposite of what I get from the the, the programming board uh, for their show. It, it's just this huge chasm between, you know, a radio station and what they want to program and listen to and what they're getting sent, right? You know, because we all know they're getting sent a ton of stuff, um, you know, by labels or, you know, um, and it's so different than what is currently cool on a campus to listen to and and maybe they have success in doing the show but i mean i you know when i was in college i i dj'd and had a blast i think it's um, also I think, oh, i'm sorry go ahead christine no i was just gonna say i mean music's changed the way we deliver music to people has changed so i think that's obviously affected the college radio station i mean it, it's not the same circumstance it once was when where i went to university at the university of tennessee they had an incredible program for both college radio as well as shows but i think back and as you guys are talking i also spent many years working at thompson bowling arena which is the main venue there and never once did i ever see any of the students who were in those activity boards ever observe or watch a show loading in or loading out or doing some of those basic things that just with some mere observation could be a great stepping stone and a learning experience Um, things maybe have changed there now but you know, I think a lot of what we're talking about is like with our music, with our business in and of itself, it's still a relatively young business. So, you know, all these things that are happening and as they're moving forward is kind of a collection of perfect storms in my mind. I mean, the business has changed so much in the time I've been in it from the promoter side and the making it happen side. I think, um, you know, it's really important what you guys do and what Matt's saying is true. We need to find a way to give both sides a better respect, perhaps, um, you know, where it's a critical part of learning. I mean, I think if you were in a different discipline, maybe, and I don't know, but maybe if you're in, I don't know, the science student body, you know, how do they handle things? Do they, you know, fulfill an internship without being there for the whole shift? Or, you know, how does right. that no, work? No, you right. know what I mean? That's right. Yeah. All right. I mean, I so, wish I had more students that would, you know, be interested in, and I, you know, whenever I do have a, a school and, and there are students that want, and I stress want to know more about the industry or more about what my side of the job is, uh, you know, I, I engage them and, and, you know, I'm still careful as to what their long-term goal is, because if I'm going to put my name to a recommendation got to make sure that it's, it's going to stick. Uh, and I've been burned before. Um, but, you know, I love to have those students that want to shadow, if, you know, if you want to use that word, shadow me the, the day of, and, you know, and, and we go back to, to Adam's reference of a, the student from Elon, like this kid hunted me down at one of the festivals I was working because he knew I was there and he wanted to talk to me, you know, granted it wasn't a great time to talk or I couldn't give him the time I wanted to, but he had the desire to do and learn more. And that's just, 
that's just not the case. And, you know, there's students that, that you get them a senior year and you're like, wow, you're great. Where have you been the previous three years? And they're like, yeah, I just wasn't sure I wanted to do this. And then they're so far behind the curve. So Dave, hold that thought because I want to come back to not the part about this kid entering senior year, but the experience at the festivals and the shadowing and what have you. But before I ask that, and at the risk of derailing this conversation, Kyle Hamilton, I know that you have a time commitment today. Do you have any parting shots or final words, questions, or anything you want to ask before you bounce? Uh, I want to say um, we have a safe landing on Mars today. Was it like three fifty five, right? Isn't that, is that three fifty five? Yep. And uh, continue to shoot straight on the driving range, no slicing, and ten spots when needed. There it is, brother Hamilton. We appreciate you, uh, Dave Stevens. Back to you. So, when we teed up your intro, we referenced the fact that you work a number of major music festivals outside of the college space. What lessons are there to be learned from that experience that can be applied are being applied to the campus programming world? And, and what is it that, you know, you're doing that makes you different in the college space, be it constantly as a company or you as an individual, just based on what you're seeing and what you've experienced and what you know to be different about the way Dallas and Kyle you know, and others that are more traditionally working in the concert business without the perspective of colleges, uh, you know, at, at their disposal. Well, I mean, you know, part of how I got in, involved in, in doing the festival work is is I've maintained and created some close relationships with regional and national production companies because the production side of it right is how i got into this industry to start with and so that's that's what i like you know that's that is that is the the part of the job that that really you know makes me go and and you know adam can say it you know when he's got production questions or anybody at at concert ideas has production questions they come to me just because that's you know i've invested time and energy and 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 you know have the knowledge, hopefully, to, to answer those questions. Um, so, you know, when I'm at a festival site, you know, I it is it it's two different worlds in terms of how you run things at a festival site versus how you run things at at a college and university um, show. Um, in terms of you know, any er, everywhere from the the level of production um that that is involved um to the the amount of crew and the amount of time that's required to do that so it's 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 big brother versus little brother if you want um you know festival side uh, to to the college and so you know what i take from the 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 college, uh, the the festival side of it, to the colleges is I try to expand and and try to to have the colleges um, understand what a lot of the artists that they're dealing with are used to getting, and try to accommodate them the best that they can. We can't obviously do everything, nor will we, or or do we want to do everything that an artist gets at you know a festival site it's just not possible it's not in the best interest of the school as our client to do those things sometimes um but you know to to have the ability to to expand on the experiences um slash lack of sleep at festivals um and turn that to to you know a college and and give them some expectations, right? You know, not every, every student understands that if you're volunteering, you're volunteering for five hours, eight hours, um, or is loadout going to start at, you know, midnight and you're going to be there for another two hours, um, to hopefully get them to understand that, that 
there's just a ton of things that go into producing a successful live event show. And you, you're shooting yourself in the foot if you try to skimp too much. Okay. Okay. Adam, anything to add to that from your perspective? You know, I don't, I don't have the festival experience that Dave has, but you know, it, educating students about circling back to where we started, why bands want things, why you need to do this, why this is important, why you can't get rid of this. Sometimes it works. Sometimes it doesn't. Um, but Sometimes, and I think one of the most rewarding things we do is when you're having these conversations, I know you've gone and done this, Matt, you go to schools and you give them talks, you know, just you meet the, the, the programming board or the student government and you talk to them about major events and all that sort of stuff. Sometimes when you're talking to them about all this stuff, like, you know, you see the heads nodding, like, and people are getting it. And sometimes it changes the way they do stuff. It could be a very little thing like, you can't have too much water. Like, why are you whining about buying another case of water? It's like, look, I have loose change in my pocket that will buy you enough water. Why? It just goes to waste. It doesn't go to waste, you know? And then they get it, you know, these, these conversations, explanations of things. Um, it, it resonates, not with every student, but a lot of the time. And that's, I think it's great. It's very rewarding, but it's also, from a business perspective, it's just smart. It's just a smart thing to do. And we also encourage students a lot, you know, ask questions. You know, I, you know, other than some pain in the butt artists who we've encountered over the years, I don't have never met any, well, with one exception, one person on the road uh, who's part of a touring team who isn't, doesn't want to share some of what they've learned, you know, because it's going to make their job easier. One, you know? one exception. Wait a second. There, there, <laughs> one definite exception. You were like right. visceral reaction. One person who did not want to share their experience on the road. We got to know who right, is well, this. Is, on, this is when I was on. a. This is when I was a student. Um, it was a tour manager for a British band. We had my junior year at the University of Rochester. My first show as concert chair. So I'm like, oh, look at me. I'm a concert chair, right? And I go meet the bus. The tour manager walks up to me and then he says, like, who are you? It's like, I'm the concert chair. I'm going to rip off your head and shit down your fucking neck. First sentence out of this guy's mouth. Like, so after I changed my pants, right, um, I realized he was just mad because the date before had not gotten the cranberry juice that he had advanced that was very important to him because he had some sort of dietary thing that he was dealing with. It's like, we have cranberry juice. Right. And then he was like, fine. And he didn't yell at me anymore, but he didn't want to talk to me. But that was the only touring person who I've had a horrible, horrible experience with. I know who you were hoping I was going to say, but I'm uh -oh. not going to say that. Um, but no, no, no. Yeah. that person for the record is actually very caring and genuine and in his own crotchety way, very apt to help people when he can. Not what I was hoping, but right. keep going. I'm sorry. Keep but, you going. Know, these, these, uh, but I, otherwise I haven't met any touring people. It's like, Hey, you know, the LD is busy, but I'm sure he or she will talk to you for a few minutes about the, the career or why they do this, you know, because also I know, you know, touring staff, you know, don't get enough recognition for keeping the machine though. It's the only reason the machine works, right? You know, it's the only reason the machine works. Um, and we've been fortunate enough to have like, sit downs with tour managers, like four kids from the program board, you know, like, Hey, you know, these kids are dying to know Stroke what this is those like. egos, you know, but, but great. Why not? You know, cause the kids want to learn it, you know, um, tell us about the, you know, the life on the, on the road. We did, um, our own conference last year in Connecticut and we asked all these touring staff, you know, Hey, do you want to talk? And they're like, fuck yeah. You know, I want to talk, you know, I want to talk about what matters. And it was rapt attention, you know, because this is, and it's just getting that opportunity and putting the right people in front of the right people isn't always easy, but when it can happen, you know, it, it clicks. And, uh, you know, those opportunities are, 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 are too few and far between, but they're always fantastic when they happen. And I stress too, to my students that, that I work with in particular, like if, if we're, regardless of, of who we're uh, using as, as labor for, you know, whether it's, it's, production or security, like I always stress to them, there, there are no dumb questions. You can yeah. never ask a dumb question. We'd rather you ask the question now than make a mistake that 
is going to screw things up and could have, you know, huge ramifications on the show or the evening or, or somebody's, you know, somebody's health. Um, that, that's the biggest thing working with students, the difference between working with, well, and it's not even just working with students. It's, you know, even on festival sites, I, I still, regardless of who the crews are, whether they're union or not, you, you, you still have to say, Hey, you know, let's all make sure that we're safe and ask the questions if you need them. And students are often afraid to ask questions, right? They, they're for whatever reason, they don't want to come across as not knowing the answer. Or they're worried about, you know, getting laughed at or whatever. Is we tell people all the time, you know, like just ask the question. And the worst thing you can say is, I don't know. Just say, let me get the answer. Let me get it the It seems like there's person. a lack of leadership. Well, <laughs> I mean, I don't know. You know, I hear a lot about the, there seems to be a lot of weight on the students without having maybe some, the right people there to help them well, understand you, these you bridges and that, encourage you know, them in the, the right the settings. The student life people, the hat they wear is so big with what they have to do. They have to deal with students who may be having personal issues and knowing how to, you know, address those and, and direct them to the right department, you know, whether it's, you know, yep. uh, mental health or whatever. <laughs> of and, course. You know, and the kid who's like, you know, I want to start the Parcheesi Club and I've got all these things filled out and where's my money and blah, blah, blah to running the event. So I'd say most of the, the student life folks, you know, do, you know, a good job and the best job that they can do. Um, but remember too, in terms of large scale projects, most schools do two a year, you know, so there isn't the repetitiveness of it or the educational opportunities of, of, of doing it a lot while they're juggling the countless other things, you know, they have, they have to do. So it, it's tough. I mean, I'm, I'm painting a dark picture, but it is, this is, this is the world <laughs> oh, that Dave and I live in, right? I and, don't know how you guys do and, it. And My what's created <laughs> is fantastic. You know, 99% of the time, there's always stuff that goes sideways, but it is, I, I guess my hope with this, you know, circling back to this is not, not to rationalize or justify when things don't go right. It's to explain that it is harder for it to go right based on the tools that are available to people and the opportunities that, that, they, that they have. And we can all learn more. All of us can learn more and everybody can do better at, at everything that they do. But considering um, you know, how many things they have to do and how many hats they have to wear and the challenges that, that they face, you know, I believe that most schools do a, a great job of, of doing, doing what they're doing. And I always joke, imagine what they could do if they had 50 cents you know, as opposed to 22 cents, you know, it'd be a, it seems dumb, but it'd be a completely different, completely different student life world we'd be living in. Well, and it's, you know, it's also the benefit of the, you know, these, these student life people have so much on their plate. Hey, us middle agents are right here to, to help you out with that. And that's, that's part of the reason why some schools flat out use us. That's also part of the reason why a lot of the major agencies prefer it because of course, you know, the, Makes sense. Our, our job. All right. So I feel we're running very long today. I think this might actually end up turning into a two-part episode just to make it digestible <laughs> for our listeners. Um, Dallas, I know you're especially happy right now that when Adam referenced the one person that was adamantly opposed to helping him at any point in his career, you're just glad he didn't say you. And I, I know that... The <laughs> I'm I know just, better. You I'm just me. fucking with you, Dallas. <laughs> I'm just fucking with you. Uh, um, part of me thinks we should just wrap here, but I'm going to ask one more before we jump into our quick hits. Aside from just straightforward, you know, book the band, concert, promotion, are, are there people doing anything interesting in the college concert space that we should know about in the, in the programming space, it doesn't necessarily have to be strictly musical. Are there interesting things happening that we can highlight to give people a better understanding? I'm not talking about hiring Bill Nye, the science guy, cool though. He may be, I'm saying like, is there anything like revolutionary? Is there anything important? Is there anything interesting happening in the programming space that's worth calling attention? I mean, are you well, talking the current space right now as it is Historically, virtually? presently, you know, let, let's not spend the next 30 minutes talking about it, but I'd love to hear your answer. I mean, virtually, 
Yeah, virtually there there are a lot of artists, you, you know, that you know are have been you know traditionally musical that that have pivoted and are and and are doing like a meditation or a yoga class because it's things that they love and do on the side besides being a musician and they're like well i'm not touring let's pivot use my name um recognition to pivot and and do an out of the box type thing and and schools want that they're they're looking for something that's going to be differently engaging than than what everything has been so i mean those are some like things virtually that that have been happening recently I, that's that's the biggest thing i think is this uniqueness i always call it the ability to touch the talent you know this is a, a level of interaction you never got before and you're not going to get it again you know and i think it's really interesting a lot of folks have created some very interesting opportunities for them stuff for themselves students like it because it's it's real to be cliched you know it's not like here's the set list and this is what we're going to do it's like oh they're actually talking about something that might interest me. A lot of the Q and A's that are going on are very, very interesting and they get really, really personal, um, which students really like because it's different. And I think that that's it right now. That's the only thing I, that comes to mind immediately for the immediate past or, or the present, you know, who knows what the future will hold, but that's some very interesting stuff. Okay. I, I was kind of hoping we could lean on pre pandemic other things, but fair enough. Uh, that was a year ago, man. I, got, I don't know if my <laughs> yeah. memory goes back that far. Fair enough. I'll leave that be. Um, Dallas, anything else from you before we wrap for today? Sorry, for me, I could. I missed you. Yes, Dallas. Anything else <laughs> from you? Yeah, you brought back some good memories today. So I'm going to shout out to Benny Smith with WUTK in Knoxville, Tennessee. And I'm also going to shout out to Robbie Henry, who runs Show Call, a very important stagehand business in Tennessee. Okay. okay. I wasn't ready for shout outs, but that's my but fault for to... not being more clear. Oh, Dave, sorry. anything else you feel like we should touch on before we wrap for today? You, you know, uh, I think that there's some glimmers of hope because we have a few schools sniffing around at in-persons for late this semester as a potential um it's it's still a big what if but uh at least there are a few more schools than there were um starting to think about it and and i think hopefully that there is a a, a light at the end of the tunnel Okay, okay. Everybody's moving straight to the quick hits, and I haven't even heard uh, their shout-outs. I haven't even done my quick hits. But Adam, anything else you want to talk about today before we wrap? No, I think we're, I think we've touched on a lot of stuff, and I appreciate you given the airtime to talk about the college space. I think it's not given the I don't credit or value that it that it's due for a lot of different reasons. And I think spring of 2022, none of us will have the time to do what we're doing right now because we'll all be so ridiculously busy. Um, it'll be fantastic. Well, I hope that is true from your lips to God's ears, as they say. Our quick hits before we go, and I mean quick, you know, let's let's move it along, right? fast answers, especially since we got two of you today. Dave, first tour you were ever a part of? Not necessarily a first tour. I think the first show that I ever booked was Goo Goo Dolls. Copy that. Adam. As a student or as a professional? You tell us. Um, first show I was responsible for booking as a student was Living Color, which kicked all the ass. And first show I booked as a professional was 38 Special, and I'll be done with that. I love 38 <laughs> Special. <laughs> Okay. Okay. Wow. Well, yeah. Well Favorite said. memory <laughs> worth relaying to us, Dave? Uh, I mean, collegiately in the college space has to be uh, Dave and Tim acoustic tour shows um, from the festival side. I'm a big guy of I love to see the sunrise uh, at my stage. So um, seeing the sunrise uh, next to the big green monster stage at Boston Calling. 
Very cool. Very cool. Adam. Um, best professional experience for us was a bunch of years ago, we had done a sponsored tour with the headline act was one of those when we booked it, they're like, okay. And when, by the time the first date hit, they wish they hadn't agreed to do our tour because they were getting arena offers five or six dates in lead singer, uh, tears his Achilles tendon at one of our shows. The tour sponsors, everybody is losing their mind. Like we're done. And I remember clearly I was in, in O'Hare airport flights are delayed because of a terrible thunderstorm. We got everybody from the team on the phone and 48 hours later, we had replaced all the, all the dates and fixed the tour. And I, I just always think that was the best thing because there wasn't no freak out. There wasn't any like, Oh shit, you know, we're going to get paid. It's like, let's just fix it. And we fixed it. And I, that was a million years ago, but I, that always makes me smile when I talk about that because we just got it done. Is there an aversion sharing the name of that band? I don't know if I'm supposed to do it or not, so I won't. But uh, it was, I have nothing negative to say about them. They were, it's nobody's fault. The guy got hurt, you know? Um, and but he was playing basketball. Right. But before the show, it wasn't right. during the show that he tore his Achilles. But he wasn't doing anything he wasn't supposed to be doing, right? He was spending time with the students. And it just, it happened and it went off. Every single date played, nobody canceled. Um, and it was great. Except for the just, next, we didn't have a fill for the next day because I was at that show. But they didn't want the, it. They also the didn't want Yeah, that's right. So it was fine. It was a really good experience. Just okay, no good. arguing, you two. No arguing. <laughs> okay, next. Uh, my favorite question I ask every guest, I'll be curious the college perspective. Any one thing about the industry you'd like to see us change or do better moving forward? No, you go first, Dave. I need a second to think about this. <laughs> um, I, I, it goes back to the perception um, from some some artists. You know, I think that that, that I wish the perception of the college market um, changed where there were more artists that were willing to be flexible on pricing to be able to, to play a college venue within reason. I think, you know, that there's some acts that are perfect for the college market and they just don't want to entertain it because they have a bad perception. All right, Adam. I agree. You know, it's not about doing a tour, you know, just, We'll bring you an opportunity. If you tell us, hey, we're thinking about it, all right, then do it. And if it works for you, great. Look at all the other opportunities that will open. If you don't like it, it's fine. But, you know, there are countless acts who have embraced it and have done great with it. Um, and I would hope that the understanding of the marketplace is good enough now that people realize you can do that and try it, you know, and it's it's not going to ruin your career if you have a bad experience at school XYZ, but it might open a huge number of other opportunities for you if it goes well. Dave, shout outs. Shout outs. Um, I don't know. I shout out the, the, the production at Boston calling pro production director at Boston calling in Eau Claire for giving me an opportunity and believing me, Jason, John Anderson. Adam. Dave should have done a shout out to me for hiring him at a Brugger's Bagels in Boston at a NACA one year. But that's yeah. that's, 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 that's where it all went there. down. That's where it all went down. Um, I would say just a shout out to the student life people who juggle more than any one person in a position should ever have to juggle. I, I honestly don't know how some of these folks do it. You walk in their offices and they're, they need multiple calendars to track everything. You know, I don't, I don't know how it gets done. Um, well, yeah, we did 375 events this year. You know, okay. You know what? And you know, it's like, we've got 11 today and it's just, it's, it's mind boggling to me a lot of the time what they do. So I, I tip my hat to them with them, how they work with so little and accomplish so much. One final right, shout right. out. One Go final ahead. shout out to, to, to the, the clients that concert ideas have that believe in them and trust them to, to, uh, produce good shows for them can't do it without them absolutely and adam as it turns out you right. were supposed so to don't forget that adam. yeah we'll right. see if dave still has a job tomorrow but that's <laughs> that's neither here nor there dallas you gave a couple before but do you have anything else to add no this has been great it's been really fun to listen to you guys and be reminded of the very important college experience because it's true you know when i think back of all the great shows i saw back in the day at colleges you guys were part of that so that's dope thank you
Well, my shout out for today goes to LIVE, which stands for Live Music Industry Venue and Entertainment. Everyone is going to be hearing more about this soon. They aim to be the voice of the UK's live music ecosystem, including artists, managers, venues, festivals, promoted promoters, agents, production, and ticketing. They are doing what we need to be doing here in the U.S. It is critically important that people in the concert industry come together to organize, to advocate for each other, to lobby, to their pillars, just to be clear, lobbying economic econ- analysis. Dallas, we talked about the importance of economic analysis, of helping people to improve their lives. We've talked about financial literacy on this program. Communications are among their pillars, skills and diversity. We talk about all of that. We talked about some of those skill development needs right here today. So my shout out is to Live. They represent 3,150 companies already in the UK alone, more than 4,000 artists and 2,000 backstage workers. Please, listeners, hit us up. Let's talk about doing that right here in the United States. I've already engaged a handful of people in that conversation myself. I know we have talked about that at length here on the podcast. Dallas, I know you're on board. Motherfucker who is not here with us anymore. I know he's in it. Brother Banks, we miss you today, but you're a part of that conversation. So from all of us to all of you out there, Let's get it together. Let's get organized. Let's work together to bring us all up. And kudos again to the folks at Live for providing a blueprint for organizing and showing us that it is possible. We appreciate you. From all of us at Hustle Like You Broke, we appreciate our listeners. Tech support, shout out to you as always. Appreciate your help here today. And on that note, to our listeners, we'll see you again the next time. Thank you for being with us for a very long episode, likely a two-parter. On that note, thank you and good Hey, this is Tech Support. Want to make sure you never miss the newest from Hustle Like You Broke? Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at HLUB Podcast and sign up for our mailing list by going to hustlelikeyoubroke.com slash join. You'll get updates about new episodes, bonus content, exclusive offers, and information on how to become a part of the music industry. Thanks for listening.